Hits McClure, deep right corner. Yeah, he's hit another one. Same spot. King McClure has hit two threes from deep in the right-hand corner. Get off on the baseline. Gives it away to Butler. Butler back outside. Here's a three. Right side by McClure. It's another three. Mason up the left side of the floor. McClure, a three. Yes! King McClure nails another three. And now it's time for a King's Court Podcast. And here's your host, King McClure. Welcome back to episode six of King's Court Podcast. You know, today's episode is probably one of my favorites because growing up, the movie Coach Carter was probably one of my favorite basketball movies ever. And for the longest, I thought Coach Carter was actual Samuel L. Jackson. I mean, maybe I was tripping, but I feel like a lot of people think that. But when I moved to Baylor, moved to Waco, I was actually able to meet the Coach Carter, Ken Carter. And... You know, he would come up to the gym, and he told me he was the actual coach Carter. I didn't believe him at first, but I was able to meet him. And, you know, one thing that intrigued me about that movie so much was the discipline. You know, making people run a million and five suicides for being late to practice or kicking people off because they didn't adhere to, to the standards of the team. And I feel like discipline is something that a lot of people are missing. I feel like a lot of people, you hear stories, oh, so-and-so would have made it to the league or so-and-so would have been successful if he or she would have had discipline. And you hear that all the time. And who else better to talk about it than Coach Carter? Because he definitely implemented that in um, his whole movie, his whole life. So without further ado, here is the Ken Carter. Yes, sir. Hey, welcome back. I'm here with Coach Carter, Ken Carter, not Samuel L. Jackson, but the actual Coach Carter. How are you doing today? I'm fine, young man. I'm the real Coach Carter. That's the way I like to be introduced. You know, Samuel Jackson is taller, but I'm so much better looking. <laughs> yes, but sir. both of us are cool, though. Yes, sir. You're definitely a cool dude. Coach Carter, today uh, the topic is discipline. And if you watch the movie, you are definitely known for being a disciplinary person. So... You know, let's just start about, let's talk about how the movie even came about. You know, how how did this story come about? How did this get to Hollywood? Well, basically, I was just doing what I truly enjoy. Mm -hmm. I tell people all the time, you don't get paid by the hour. You get paid by the value you bring to the hour. Mm -hmm. And so this is what I've done, you know, all my life. I played Mm -hmm. ball my whole life. I'm 60 years old. You still see me in the gym, right? Yeah, you're still in the gym every day. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. So uh, after my playing days was over, Mm -hmm. which I thought would never, ever, ever end, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, the storybook um, dream that every kid has, you know, um, you know, um, go up in the inner city that, you know, the great things you see are the guys Mm -hmm. who play sports or some type of entertainment. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't sing, so <laughs> I had to learn how to play ball. And uh, it was just a natural thing. My brother was a high school yeah. All-American in football, greatest guy in the world, just mm-hmm. as nice as he could be. Um, so I, my bass come from my seven sisters, believe it or yeah. not. So the movie came about because I just did what my family would do. Mm-hmm. My team was a part of my family. Yeah, most definitely. So how did Samuel L. Jackson get to play you because Samuel L. Jackson is probably one of the, if not the greatest actor of all time. You got to be a bad dude to get Samuel L. Jackson to play play you in a movie. Yeah. So how uh, did that come about? Well, it's just a good business decision, to be honest with you. He mm-hmm. was the highest grossing actor in the history of Hollywood. Yeah. 
And people look at me and they go like, you have so much personality, Coach Hardy. You should have played yourself. I'm going like, I have zero credits in Hollywood. Yeah. And when the producers came to talk to me, uh, I had one name mm-hmm. on the list and it was Mr. Samuel Jackson. And they was talking about, oh, Morgan Freeman and, yeah. you know, and all the other things. And um, I'm going to listen. The only one who will play me in this movie <laughs> will be Samuel Jackson. Yeah. And I always call him Mr. Samuel Jackson. And so he had already he already knew about the story because it got national publicity. Yeah. And um, I would have been fired if I went on to today's show the following day. I would have been yeah. fired. Yeah. But it was so much publicity yeah, yeah. because they're going like, you guys, Richmond's going to win the state championship. Mm-hmm. But I knew that only one out of every 500,000 kids get a chance to play some type of professional sports. Yeah. You know, and then you're talking about making a living at it. The average pro career is maybe, what, three to four years, if yeah. you're lucky enough to actually get in that arena. Mm-hmm. And um, kids used to come to me all the time and say, Coach, don't you want to be like Shaq? I said, no, I want to be like the man or woman who pays Shaq. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, sir. Most definitely. So let's talk a little bit about the movie. You know, there was certain scenes that stood out to me that really showed, um, you know, the disciplinary person that you are. So, I mean, one scene that stood out to me was when you first got there, you made all players sign a contract. Yes, I mean, sir. granted, it's high school. It's yes, not college. You don't even sign contracts in college. It's not the NBA. Yes, sir. So what made you want them to sign a contract? Uh, because everything in life that you or actually you feel mm-hmm. this is really important when you get married, when you buy your first yes. car, you buy your first house, you sign some type of document. And all that document does is put parameters around you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And so now you got an inner city kids now, mm-hmm. low performing school with inexperienced teachers. Mm-hmm. And I was a product of that school and I had a wonderful time there. My teachers loved us and cared for us mm-hmm. and pushed us and challenged us. And, um, I wanted the same for my guys. Mm-hmm. I wanted to give them the same experience I had. Now, yeah. I, for 20 years, I wrote a check to my old coach, but I never went to the high school. Yeah. Never went to any games because at that time I had four different businesses. So, you know, I'm trying to make a living. I'm out in this mm-hmm. big world, you know, and, and I just got through playing ball in Canada. So I'm trying to make my my mark in mm-hmm. life. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. I had a 20-hour day every day. And people used to always say, um, why do you work so much? I said, well, my definition of an entrepreneur is somebody who's willing to work 16 to 18 hours a day to keep from getting a J-O-B. Because a J-O-B yeah. means just over broke. Just over broke. <laughs> <laughs> like jumping out of bed. One of the two. Okay. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And so I just believed in work. And see, hard work is a skill. Most definitely. Young man, hard work is a skill. Yes, sir. And so you'll find people who are more talented, mm-hmm. but they just cannot work me. Same thing when I played ball. They just mm-hmm. could not work me. I was going to always put in the time, put in the yeah. effort. And this, that's what discipline comes in. When you're talking about this thing in discipline, um, you're talking about the kids at Richmond High School when I used to give them, you know, 5,000 push-ups. Yeah. People go like, 5,000? Yeah, I would that, left. That, like it's the <laughs> end of the world. But if that kid was not going to miss the game on Friday. He was going to do everything in his power to mm-hmm. get to that game on Friday mm-hmm. because all eyes in the city was on us. Now, they're mm-hmm. doing some research for Coach Carter, too, right? Yeah. The police chief called in, you know, Paramount and everybody. They're sitting there doing the, the strategy. Mm-hmm. And they said, you know, crime was down 70% the days of basketball games. Oh, wow. So I'm saying they should have just had us play all year round. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been our yeah, solution. Definitely. But crime was down 70%. Mm-hmm. But the boys know I loved them. And see, 
basketball was the hook. Mm-hmm. Education was always the goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Because you definitely uh, stress the emphasis, stress the importance of education throughout the whole movie. Even when the principal would tell you that your job is to, you know, win games on the basketball court, you would tell her your job is to educate the students. Do it. Yeah. And you definitely stress the importance of education. We saw that with you locking the gym and making making the players go to, you know, the the library to, to study. And I feel like that really talked a lot about who you were as a man and what you stood for. You cared more about the basketball players being men than you cared about them being successful on the court. Yes, sir. So what, you know, even though you got so much criticism, what made you continue to, you know, do that, continue, continue to, like, drive you to, you know, stress the importance of education as opposed to basketball players? Well, this goes all the way back to Macomb, Mississippi. That's yeah. M, Lil C, Big C, OMB. <laughs> yeah. And as you're exiting the road going to Macomb, Mississippi, mm-hmm. at the top of this sign, it says you're now entering Macomb, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. At the bottom of that same sign, it says you're now leaving Macomb, mm-hmm. Mississippi. <laughs> That's where I was born. Yeah. <laughs> and my dad had a second grade education. Mm-hmm. My mom had a sixth grade education. I have seven sisters. That is really true. One of them named Diane. Yes, I'll survive yeah. seven sisters. Uh-huh. And um, my parents didn't have much education, but Mm -hmm. they always knew we were going to educate our kids, period. So out of all nine of us, all nine of us entered college. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. I mean, and you're talking about a poor, uh, a lot of people don't know what sharecropping is. Uh You know what I mean? I was sharecropping on the farm. But my dad used to go work for other people uh, 12 hours and then come home and work another three for himself. Mm-hmm. You know, say it was amazing. So we saw hard work all the time and discipline. And uh, we just always were held accountable. I think what makes us successful in our lives and what made our boys successful, there's four things. You have to be accountable in life. You have to have integrity. You have to be a great follower before you could ever be a great leader. Mm-hmm. And you got to be a part of a family or a team. So, you know, there's a scene in there when you first got there, you know, Cruz tried you, Cruz tested you. Do you think that right there set the tone for the whole season? People knew you weren't playing? Well, I had businesses in the neighborhood, honestly. Mm-hmm. And people know I didn't play with my businesses. And yeah. when you came in my barbershop, you had to have on mm-hmm. a shirt. You didn't walk in mm-hmm. my shop because I was going to come get you, period. Yeah. So I've just always been a no-nonsense type guy. And mm-hmm. so when it's about my business, I got a whistle and my suit on, mm-hmm. I'm a totally different guy. People meet me and they go like, you're friendly and you're funny. They go like, you're cool. Yeah. I said, don't let me get a whistle in my mouth mm-hmm. and don't let me have a suit on. Totally different guy because yeah. I'm protecting my family. Mm-hmm. If And I let people know I plan to be hostile. Look at the circles under my eye. Those were all the fights I didn't win. Yeah. You know, when you made my sister cry, my brother's big as this building. Nicest guy in the world, all American. But he's just a nice guy. Yeah. You made my sister cry, I'm coming to find you. Yeah. And I used to get beat up all the time. My mother asked me, how did you get two black eyes in one fight? I said, Mama, I think he punched me like this. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, when he wanted to get back on the team, you made him do something outrageous. Like, what was that, 2,500 push-ups and 1,000 suicides? That was a good suicide? day, young man. That was a good day. That was a very good day. <laughs> a that thousand was a very suicide. good day for him. That was a very good day for him. Because I liked him and I wanted him yeah. to be on the team. See, that's what people don't understand. Cruz, I liked him because of his toughness. Yeah, he was definitely tough. He was mentally tough. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about winning championships, you need a mentally tough guy. Yeah. He could actually get a 10-second count mm-hmm. in the backcourt by himself. 
Yeah, he could actually sit down and do it. But listen, now he's just wasn't going to do it because he could do it. <laughs> it always had to be an incentive yeah. for him to do it. Mm-hmm. And he shot one layup. He played for me for three years. He shot one layup his whole career. Mm-hmm. Everything was a three. He would have a breakaway in the movie they showed. He would have a breakaway layup. Yeah. He'll stop and back up to the three and shoot a three. And the rule was if it goes in, you stay in. If it goes, <laughs> you miss it, you're coming out. You're coming out. <laughs> but no, I. one time I gave Cruz 10,000 push-ups. 10,000 10,000. Let me show you how much charisma this kid has. So he looked at the contract. Yeah. And... um he actually went and hired a lawyer because we had everybody following the basketball team. Mm-hmm. So I gave him 10,000 pushups and he had two days to do them before I game. And it, in my contract, it says, I must see the pushups. Yeah. I didn't say you had to do them. That's where he <laughs> found the loophole yeah, yeah, in yeah. my contract. He convinced a thousand people at school to come to the football field and do 10 pushups each, which makes 10,000. Yeah. He sat in the stands with his girlfriend. <laughs> now is that guy a natural born leader yeah he's, he's a natural born leader he's a leader yeah and like now they you know when you see the movie he was selling drugs he's still selling drugs to this day to this day he's still selling drugs but, but he's not, a doctor now. yeah not those drugs yeah he's a doctor he does it with a pad he's prescribed oh, wow. more drugs than he ever sold now oh, so wow. he's he's just amazing and he dropped out of cal berkeley three times mm-hmm. but we was able to find him get him back in school and um uh, little persuasion, yeah. and I see when they got physical with me. Yeah, the students, I got physical with them. Uh-huh. I didn't play. Listen, if they look at my knuckles, they punch me. Listen, I'm. I mean, nowadays that's a lawsuit, right? I understand, <laughs> but you know, it's my word against theirs. For sure, for sure. You feel for me? Sure. So I'm protecting myself. Yeah. So, you know, when he did it, well, he came up 80 short on the suicides. Yes, sir. So I know as a coach, when the player said. You know, um, we'll, we'll, we'll help him do it. Can we do it for him? How did that make you feel as a coach? Well, um, he was still a little shorter. He was shorter than 80. <laughs> but uh, but uh, when the team came in, you yeah. know, and one stepped forward, yeah. then the other one stepped forward, and then my son stepped forward, mm-hmm. everybody started to do run and do push-ups with Warren. Yeah. Worm was going like at the end. He go like, I guess I'll do something too. Because <laughs> Worm, I had ran him that week all week. Yeah. Because – Believe it or not, Worm, Junior Battle, and Kenyon, if I didn't take them home with me on Thursday night, they were going to get into some type of trouble that night. Mm-hmm. So they wouldn't be ready for school you know, on Friday <laughs> of the game. Yeah, yeah. So literally, the night before the game, they would actually all come home with me. Yeah. Those three. I mean, you could tell Worm was a character just by when he you know, snuck out the hotel. Must the personality. <laughs> and then you catch him in that. Well, that was your son, the hot tub. Yeah. But you caught him at but the But I was party. proud. He had two girls, so I was proud. <laughs> 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 See, you know, if you only had one, then he had, had 10,000. But since he had two, I had to give him a high five. You know, if I'm, if I'm a player and I know that you make people do a million suicides, I'm not even thinking about sneaking out the, the hotel. Cause I'm not trying to run that much. And I don't know what in your life made you love suicides, but... Apparently that's your thing. No, but think about it. When you're when you get fatigued, mm-hmm. you become a coward, and that's the one thing mm-hmm. in all the sports that you can control is your mm-hmm. conditioning. You can't control the number of shots you make or miss, yeah. but you can control your conditioning. Mm-hmm. And think about it. If it takes people four seconds to recover from sprints, mm-hmm. and it takes you two point eight seconds or, or three point eight seconds mm-hmm. over a forty minute game, 
That means you're four minutes better than this guy if all things are equal. It's a good way to look at it. You feel me? So, that's, that's, so you got to put in the work. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so people, a lot of people mistake a lot of action, mm-hmm. you know, uh, shall I say motion for action. You know, when they go, oh, coach, I got up a thousand shots today. Well, were, were they any the rest? Were they game shots? Mm-hmm. Were you standing on the college three or you were you at the pro three or were you two steps beyond the pro three? Mm-hmm. You know, summertime, you got to improve your range. So I had license the kids had to get from me to shoot a three. <laughs> now, honestly, during the summer, yeah. if you got your license from me, during the season, you mm-hmm. can shoot as many threes as you want. Mm-hmm. And Cruz would put in the time during the summer. See, that's what a lot of people don't understand. Yeah. Cruz would probably put up um, five, six hundred threes a day. Yeah. So during the game, he had his license from yeah. me. So he had a he had the green light. So you know, and then later on, we found out we thought the way you do one thing is the way you do all things. That's mm-hmm. not the key. You always have to have quality information. Yeah. So how do you earn that license? Well, you have to put in the work. Yeah. So each kid during the summer, if you when you shot forty thousand shots threes, yeah. well, you got your license. Shot or made? No, you have to shoot them. Okay. You feel me? You, yeah, if yeah. you get them up, you don't you're going to shoot around fifty yeah, so, percent. Yeah. So if you get them up, and um, and you could get your permit, you know, I have a permit where you, you know you get to twenty thousand, you get your permit. Yeah, yeah. You, feel, you get to forty thousand, you get your license. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can have other people in the uh-huh. car. Yeah, yeah. You feel me? So you could you have a green light. And um, with the boards, I just I just love sports. You know, I mm-hmm. love basketball. I played basketball, football, baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, people thought I should have played baseball because I got drafted in baseball. And um, I know that. Yes, I got drafted in baseball by Oakland mm-hmm. A's. And uh, Billy Martin was a uh, manager at the time. Uh-huh. And he seen me as a sophomore. I stole two bases in one throw. Now, how do you do that? The pitcher was a one-look guy. So he yeah, looked yeah. at first base and turned his head, and I just took off. So by the time the catcher got the ball, I was always at second. I just <laughs> went on the third, slid in, and everybody went crazy. <laughs> and um, it was just interesting. Um, our baseball team at the time at Richmond High School um, – we was talking way before you was born, young man. We were talking <laughs> <laughs> back in 76, 77. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's before my, that's before yeah. my, before my time. During that time, uh, we won. Uh, Richmond High was basketball, football, baseball, track. Right. And we had a swim team. that We didn't even have a pool, and the swim team won the state. <laughs> we didn't even have tennis courts. That's how gifted the athletes were. Yeah. And, and your studs would play every sport. Mm-hmm. So you would have – 20 studs in the school, mm-hmm. and those 20 guys would play every sport, you know, the main sports, and we was competitive. And baseball, we won the TOC, you know, uh, three years straight. Mm-hmm. You know, in football, we won it twice. Uh, basketball, we won it once, you know. And so sports have always been uh, in my life. And so after my playing days, right. coaching was automatically the next thing to do. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about your players doing all the suicides, when you were a player – is that what your conditioning looked like, or what did your conditioning look like? I was always the best conditioned athlete, period. Mm-hmm. You know, because I was a house guy. You know, I'm from yeah, Macomb, yeah. Mississippi. Yeah, I yeah. didn't speak well. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And my clothes, I didn't have the latest clothes, and yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. So everybody made fun of me. But until we start playing sports, mm-hmm. that was the equalizer. You understand? Mm-hmm. And um, the people in the neighborhood looked after me. I didn't. I never had any peer pressure to sell yeah. drugs or anything. Uh, the guys who were on the corner, we go, hey, country, they used to come yeah. and come, hey, watch him with the ball. Do that <laughs> do that stuff through your legs, country. Yeah, yeah. And so as we start to do that, that's what people don't understand. There's positive peer pressure and there's negative peer pressure. Hmm. And so at Richmond High School, I just applied positive peer pressure. 
Mm-hmm. And so well, you got, I had 45 kids, you know, in our program, freshman, junior, varsity, and varsity. We was undefeated mm-hmm. on all three levels. I locked out the entire program. Oh, wow. So what does Worm do now? Worm, he owns an insurance company. Oh, wow. One of, yeah, yeah. Just amazing. These guys are amazing. And Worm mm-hmm. employees probably like uh, 15 of my former players. Mm-hmm. He does a great job, man. And and it's funny to see them. They still, you see them now that these guys are, you know, um, you know, 37, 38, 39 yeah. years old. And guess what? They still act like they was 15. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because Nike yeah. sent me some gear or something, and I sent it to them. I said, don't put on the shoe, you know, because it's, it don't come out for another month or something. Yeah, yeah. They get they put the shoe on, go right to Instagram, and you know, <laughs> so they you know it's the same. Yeah, yeah. But the boys' personalities are good. We're mm-hmm. still family. I talk to them every single night. Mm-hmm. You know, I talk to one of those players or several of those players every single day. Mm-hmm. And so now they have their own families now. Yeah. And man, do they have stories to tell? Every one of them have a Coach Carter story. <laughs> every one of them have a Coach Carter story. <laughs> you should. Have. And if you if you listen to them, you think I was the meanest guy on the planet. Yeah. And I'm going, if I was that bad, you wouldn't even talk to me. That's true. You know what I mean? And they go like, but yeah, you made us tough, coach. You know, in business now, when I went to college, they go like, when I went to college, I practiced, it was nothing. Mm-hmm. I'm going like, and so I look at it like this. If you don't have a great test, you can't have a great testimony. Mm-hmm. That's real. Yeah, so that's how that works. So I feel like, uh, you know, one thing that you said, you know, I think they think that you're mean, but they knew you loved them. I think that's a key component that a lot of coaches miss. They fail to realize that, you know, you have to build a relationship with your players outside of the court other than, you know, trying to win games. You got to get to know them personally, and that's why you able to make them do a thousand suicides, but you still can talk to them every single night, and they're not mad at you. No, they still love you. They know that you care for them. But you know what? What happens to a lot of people, they didn't show this in the movie because you only have an hour and a half to show the movie, but my two assistant coaches were females. Because our okay. boys had never took orders from a man or any discipline from a man. Uh, Out of the 45 boys, mm-hmm. only eight of them had dads in the home. Uh, so I looked at that and I said, you know, these boys are used to taking orders from their moms and stuff. Uh-huh. So I had two females assistant. They was tougher on them than me because <laughs> they would go like, get over there and give me 500. They would just go over there and start doing them. Uh-huh. If I go, go over there and give me 200. Man, what I got? 400. Man, <laughs> 800, 16, you want to try for 32? Yeah. They go, okay, we, we good, coach, we good. You know, but see, everybody think um, once you have a great task that it's a punishment. No, a punishment uh, will last you one day, one week, one month. A discipline will last you a lifetime. Mm. So it was a discipline. It wasn't a punishment. It was a discipline. Yeah, so you said only eight out of the 45 had – Fathers in the home, and on another episode of this podcast, we're talking about the importance of fatherhood. So, how important is you know it for us to have fathers in our lives as young as young men, as father figures? So, if you don't have a, a your dad in the house, you got to go find it in the community somewhere. Like when they say it takes mm-hmm. a whole village to to raise a a child. Mm-hmm. Well, at Richmond with the shirts, if a kid walked around Richmond and had that Richmond High basketball on, they mm-hmm. know they couldn't get in trouble. Everybody was on, you know, I'm going to tell coach. Yeah. And they, they know, time they say something to me, they know it was a thousand. Yeah, yeah. So listen, listen <laughs> let me see your pants sagging. Oh, that's 5,000, son. Yeah. But they couldn't miss Friday game. Can you imagine a high school kid and you're playing in front of almost 10,000 people? Yeah. You know, the freshman game, you got 3,200 people at a freshman game. 
Yeah. And at the JV game, it's sold out. Yeah. So halftime of the JV game, if you didn't have a ticket, you couldn't get a seat. Mm-hmm. And it was on television. We was on the uh, high school team in the Bay Area that they showed our games on television. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty cool, man. It was really cool. So you say you played the role of 45 kids' fathers. Yeah, well, and we adopted more. As we, so when you mm-hmm. win, you everybody else comes everybody along. Oh, man, everybody it. comes along. <laughs> and so now, it was real funny. Um, our Cruz ran up to me one day, and he was like, Coach, man, they got our pictures up in McDonald's, Coach. Man, like we like we like rock stars, man. <laughs> you know, and they just like, hey, we ain't gotta go to class anymore. Yeah. And I'm looking at this. I, I seen the monster, you know, mm-hmm. I just seen this monster coming towards me because the teachers, everybody got on board because we're winning. Now the news people showing mm-hmm. up. We got college recruiters at our yeah, gym. Yeah. And the community, like I said, crime went down 70% because mm-hmm. everybody is at the game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then they're on television. I mean, we had guys showing up with lime green suits on, <laughs> you know, with matching shoes. And I would be comfortable. Like, like Mook, man, where you get that fit from? Like, Coach, I can't tell you, man. This this one of a kind. I said, you're right. Yeah. You know. And so we made every, we included everybody. Mm-hmm. But it was good business. And I played every kid every single game. Yeah. Because that was just good business for the school. Because when a kid knows he's going to play, he or she is going to mm-hmm. play. The whole family comes out. Now, when have you ever seen a kid do anything when the grandparent or the parent is in the stand? They're at their best behavior, right? Yeah, for sure. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. So let's talk a little bit about Coach Carter, too. Is there a possibility that Coach Carter, too, might come out? Yes, there is. Um, the problem with Coach Carter, too, is Coach Carter, one, is just doing so well. They still show it every week. Yeah. <laughs> Every week. And it's been translated into 36 yeah. different languages. Oh, wow. And it's the most shown movie since 2005 in the history of Hollywood. Most shown movie, period. Mm. And they show it's on tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so it's incredible. But, you know, when we started, the, started this process, um, I knew we had a great story. Mm-hmm. But people can really feel this because they, they still see the boys in the community. Yeah. They see me speaking across the nation and, and on stage and... And um, the boys, they'll tell you the same story. Listen, yeah. Coach wasn't no joke. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he was—he loved us, but he was serious. And you know, he wasn't our friend. And I used to always tell him, "I don't want to be—I don't need no fifteen-year-old friend." <laughs> you know, what I, mean? I need you to go to That's school, true. get your your diploma first, yeah, yeah, and get yeah. to go to college, so I can get my Social Security check. <laughs> <laughs> no, so. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about uh, one line that always stuck out to me was our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond our measure. What does that mean to you? It was simply this. You playing smalls does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so others won't feel insecure around us. We're all made to shine. And if we let our little light shine, we automatically give others permission to do the same. And as we're liberated from our own fears, Mm -hmm. our presence automatically liberates others. So that was something I used to say to them all the time. Mm-hmm. What is your deepest fear? They used to look at me like, what are you talking about? You <laughs> yeah. And we talked about philosophy. You understand? We talked about Mark Twain. Now, mm-hmm. we're in an inner city school. And believe it or not, I actually wanted to be a philosophy teacher. Oh, wow. that was, that, that's what I thought I was going to be in my life. Yeah, yeah. A history teacher. Because mm-hmm. I loved history. And so like Mark Twain, you know, and he said, I would never let my education get in the way of my schooling. Mm. 
you know, and people go like, the kids be going like, what is coach talking about? And I go like, you know, guys, we finna go into war tonight. And um, Mr. MacArthur said this, he said, the objective of war is not to die for your country. The objective of war is to have the other guy die for his. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so the guy, they start to catch on, man. And so we used to have a word of the day. Mm-hmm. So now we start kids talking about philosophy. And so it wasn't just about mm-hmm. basketball all the time. Yeah. So we, Silicon Valley, believe it or not, in 1999, there were 300 mm-hmm. millionaires per square mile in oh, Silicon right. Valley. Yeah. And they was 55 miles from Richmond High School. So I used to cancel practice and go meet millionaires. Oh, wow. That's, yeah. That's powerful. And people be going, going crazy. Man, we undefeated, coach. How are you going to cancel practice? I'm going, we have an opportunity to go meet millionaires. Yeah. I mean, like, it's 300 of them per square mile. Mm-hmm. And we just show up, no appointment, no anything. Say, so, sir, I have 45 young men here. We would like to know how did you get that corner office? How did you drive that Porsche? How do you have on a $15,000 watch? Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, with kids, if you start talking money, oh, my God, you have their attention. Mm-hmm. So I gave every one of my kids $100,000 on paper, $67 an hour, yeah. okay, $1.18 per minute. And so when people would come and they would waste an hour of their time, they'd like, Coach, I just lost $67. So we turned it into something really positive. Yeah. So they start taking their time because, see, you're going to earn more money. King, you're mm-hmm. going to earn more money in your life. But the time you spend, mm-hmm. take care of your time because you'll never get that back. All right, so it looks to me like you taught them life lessons, so many more life lessons than you did basketball skills. Yeah, life skills, yeah. I used to show them how to tie their shoe, how to put yeah. their socks on, you know, how to put the, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the Vaseline on their feet at the beginning of the season so they won't get blisters. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And they go like, Coach, why we have to learn how to tie a mm-hmm. shoe? And I... We were watching a game one time, kid shoe, he stepped on the shoelace yeah. and fumbled the ball out of bounds, they lost the game. Yeah. I said, that's why you, you have to tie, double tie your shoe. And so all these little things. See, in life, um, King, it's, it's just real simple. Uh, a lot of people, when they talk or they see me, and they go, wow, you're really successful in everything you touch. They don't really understand that you simplify your life. I eat the same thing for breakfast every morning. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to eat, I'm going to eat some oatmeal. Yeah. So that takes care. I ain't got to be worrying about where the eggs at, where the bacon at, and all the other stuff. I already know what I'm going to eat. You yeah. feel me? And, you know, my day start early. Man. I'm up yeah. 4.30. I'm probably up doing something. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm up reading, doing something, you know. And if I decide to go back to bed, because I take a lot of mental health days these days. Hmm. You know, I'm 60, so I take a lot of <laughs> mental health days. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it was all about lifestyle Mm-hmm. King, it's all about lifestyle and quality of life. Now, I know a lot of people have lots of money, yeah. but they don't have a good quality of life. You feel me? Mm-hmm. I would rather have a great friend than the money any day. So you would say the route to success ultimately comes down to self-discipline. Yes. How often you do something and the intensity in which you do it. That's what success is. How often you do something and the intensity in which you do it. So if you only go fishing, yeah. Once every 50 years, mm-hmm. and you've, you know, you're going to live probably to be 100. That's what the insurance mm-hmm. people say now. We're going to live to probably be 100 if you take care yeah. of yourself. You only have one more time to go fishing. You feel me? Yeah. I only got one more time to go fishing because I go fishing like once every 60 years, 50 years. Yeah. 
I don't have 50 more years to go fishing. I just have one more time to go fishing. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And so if that's the philosophy, yeah. but we can change these things. It doesn't matter where you start. It's how you finish. Mm. Like with a basketball game, a lot of coaches try to blow people. Out. I just need to win by one. You feel me? That's what people yeah. don't understand. I just need to win by one. I just need to keep moving this wagon along. That's what coaches do. They keep moving the wagon along. Well, yeah. Last question for you, Coach Carter. I need you, your top three basketball movies. No particular order. Just top three basketball movies. Real simple. Coach Carter. Coach Carter. <laughs> Coach Carter. <laughs> Coach Carter. <laughs> yes, sir. You heard it here first. Thank you for your time, Coach Carter. I would like to say this before we close, because I think this is real important. We're talking about discipline. Uh-huh. And see, not of all of all of us can become famous, yeah. but each and every one of us can become great because greatness is defined by the service that we give to others. You just got to continually give great service. And you've definitely done that throughout your life by giving it to your players, by giving it to the viewers right now, and by giving it to me. And we got some gifts life. for you too, young man. I got a book here for you. Yes, sir. I got some movies here, autographed movies. Yes, sir. So there we go. So you do them with them as you please. Yes, sir. We'll definitely be looking to give those away. So once again, thank you for your time. It's a pleasure. Pleasure talking to you, Coach. Thank you so very much, young man. And I'm really proud of you, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, that was a great. That was a great episode. I mean, there were so many questions that I had about the movie that I was able to ask. So I was really like a kid in the candy store, just asking him these questions because, you know, I never knew that. All that stuff went happen. All that stuff happened. So, you know, that was a great episode. I thank Coach Carter for taking the time and doing that when he had a million things that he could possibly be, possibly be doing. Um, next week, we have the ESPN superstar, Fran Fischilla, to talk about coaching, which also kind of sort of piggybacks on discipline. But looking forward to next week's conversation. Tune in to hear Fran Fischilla speak on coaching. I guarantee you don't want to miss this. Thanks for listening to King's Court Podcast. Follow us on Instagram at king.mcclure.